Our reading is from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 35 to 59, and can be found on page 866 of the Pew Bibles. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes with to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has been seen, only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give you for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread 
will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Hear the word of the Lord. everybody. My name is Tim Johnson. I'm the senior minister here at St John's uh, and it's great to be starting uh, this new series uh, as Andrew uh, introduced us to uh, this morning. Uh, We're looking through these seven I am statements from John's gospel. John has written his gospel very particularly where there are these uh, seven statements about who Jesus is that he presents uh, with the words I am followed by uh, an image which tell us something of who Jesus is, the person of Jesus, and the work of Jesus, what Jesus has come to do. Now, uh, again, as Andrew said, we often uh, will introduce things that uh, we're saying about ourselves using the words, I am, I am a father, I am cold, Um, and often the the things that we'll say uh, might not necessarily be uh, profound. We just use those words, very common words, Uh, to tell people things about ourselves. But when Jesus uses these words in John's Gospel, these I am statements, he's saying something revolutionary about himself in each instance. Uh, In the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 3, God reveals himself to Moses in a burning bush. He's calling Moses to undertake a mission. He wants him to go to Pharaoh and ask for the people of Israel to be uh, set free. And part of his call to Moses, uh, God reveals his personal name to Moses and that the people of Israel will be able to call God by this personal name. The name is Yahweh. And the name means I am. Now that makes sense for God as a name, doesn't it? Uh, For us, there was a time when we didn't exist, when we weren't. But that is not true of God. He simply is. There was never a time that he didn't exist. He's not dependent on anyone or anything for his existence. He just is. And so his name is Yahweh, I am. And when Jesus makes these statements about himself and he begins with, I am, there's an echo of the divine name of God and Jesus, as we hear the things that he says about himself, is actually making divine claims about who he is, that he is God himself. Uh, And in the original language of the New Testament, um, these are not just simple statements, I am. They're emphatic statements. Jesus is basically saying, I, I am. He's heralding that he's about to say something profound about himself in the language that he uses. And as we'll see through this series, these are huge claims about himself, profound things that we need to know, that we need to take hold of, and we need to share with other people. Our church mission statement is to know Christ and to make him known. Jesus is at the heart, the centre of everything that we do as a church. Our life is centred on him and it's our desire to know him more deeply, putting into practice the things of Christ in our own lives, deepening in love for him, deepening in knowledge for him. And uh, we want other people also to know his grace and his beauty. So it's good for us um, always to focus on the words of Jesus and who he is and what he's come to do. 
Um, but especially, as Andrew said, in the life of our church at the moment, when we're thinking about vision and what the future holds, it's good to remember the core, the heart of what we're on about, Jesus Christ, who he is, knowing him and making him known. Uh, maybe you're here today and you do not yet know that much about Jesus or you haven't yet made a decision to follow him. Well, it's great that you're here and through this series we really do hope that you will learn more about how wonderful Jesus is and what it means to follow him. But even if you're here and you've been following Jesus for a long time, maybe 80 or 90 years, all of us need to keep knowing Christ, don't we? Deepening in our love and knowledge of him and thinking about how we put into practice our relationship with him each and every day. As we look at each of these I am statements, they're not just abstract theological statements. This is not just a theology textbook with a series of statements. All of these things that Jesus says come in a context. In each case, he's interacting with real people. This is real conversation that he's having. And part of the key to understanding what's going on is to think about the context in which Jesus makes these statements. Who is he talking to? What's he saying? What's happening? And that's true um, of this statement that we have before us today in John chapter 6. So the context, immediately before Jesus makes this statement, he has just literally fed 5,000 people bread. 5,000 people have been gathered on the other side of uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has been teaching them all day. Uh, gets to the end of the day, there's not enough food to eat. People are hungry. There's... Uh, Not much there. The disciples don't know what to do. Uh, A young boy has five small loaves of bread and two fish, hardly enough food to feed all of these people before them. And yet, miraculously, Jesus transforms that small meal and feeds the crowd of 5,000 people so that everyone goes away with very full stomachs and there's an abundance left over. Twelve basketfuls of food is left over. Jesus has fed this crowd, their hunger has been nourished uh, and there is an abundance, there is more than enough for the people there, there is leftovers. The people are impressed, they want to grab Jesus and make him their king by force and so Jesus has to make a getaway, get to the other side uh, of the lake so that they can't make him their king by force. It's hardly surprising when you've, you've got a nation there that's under military Uh, being suppressed by a foreign military power, the Romans who are uh, there ruling over them. Here you've got this guy with such power that he can feed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread. Uh, You've heard the expression, an army fights on its stomach. Well, here's a guy who can feed the entire army and with that sort of power, who knows what else he might be able to do. They want to grab hold of him. They want to make him do, uh, use his power for their own purposes. So Jesus has to run away. But it's not only the the raw power that they've seen in Jesus and what he's done. What Jesus has done has also been reminiscent of something that God has famously done in the history of the people of Israel. So when the Israelites were wandering in the desert before they'd even come into their promised land, uh, they didn't have enough food, they were starving. And again, a miracle happens. God miraculously provides this bread that, that, that comes down from heaven. It's called manna which literally means, what is it? <laughs> because they didn't, they, they didn't sort of know what this was. And yet God was feeding them with this bread from heaven. They were nourished, they were fed. Uh, and you would have noticed in the passage that there's a reference to this 
this manner, the way that God fed the people of Israel uh, in the past. And the people catch up to Jesus on the other side of the lake and the conversation begins. What is going on here? What is Jesus doing? What is happening with this? The people are impressed that their stomachs have been filled. But Jesus says, I want to I offer you more than just a meal that will satisfy you for a day. And the people are impressed because what Jesus has done seems to reflect the work of God for the people of Israel in the desert. And yet Jesus says, no, what I'm doing is even more profound than that. That food that they ate meant that they still needed more food. They died. It didn't give them uh, uh, things forever. And yet what I'm doing is so much more than that. Which brings us to verse 35, chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus' statement. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Uh, Filling our stomachs with bread will keep us going for a little while, but we get hungry again. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm offering something more than that. I'm offering myself. And by equating himself with bread, Jesus is saying that he is essential for life. The staple food at the time uh, was bread. They may not have eaten anything else in some of their meals, but bread, that was, that was it. That was the staple food. Uh, and bread was actually synonymous for food. Um, you might have heard the expression, let's break bread together. It's a way of saying let's eat a meal together because uh, bread is kind of the substance of the meal. Uh, If Jesus had been Chinese, I imagine he would have said, I am the rice of life. If he's Irish, I am the potato of life. It's the staple stuff that that fills, that, that nourishes, that allows you to keep on living. In the same way that we need bread, we need food to live, to be nourished, to be satisfied, Jesus is saying here, you need me to live to be nourished, to be satisfied. Jesus is not talking about physical hunger. He's talking about spiritual hunger. He's offering them something that won't just feed them for a day, but which will offer them life that starts now and goes on forever. There's an inbuilt desire, isn't there, in us as human beings for meaning, for purpose. And physical things, material things, as good as they are, can never satisfy these spiritual yearnings that we have inside of us. The British journalist Bernard Levin uh, once said, countries like ours are full of people who have all the material comforts they desire and yet lead lives of quiet and at times noisy desperation, understanding nothing but the fact that there is a hole inside of them And however much food and drink they pour into it, however many motor cars and television sets they stuff it with, however many well-balanced children and loyal friends they parade around the edges of it, it aches. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is making the radical claim that he can fill that hole, that ache, that yearning inside each of of us. That he is the one who can satisfy those 
genuine desires that lie at the heart of the human person, that that is the sort of bread that he is. Now you might notice uh, throughout this passage that Jesus repeatedly outlines two benefits that come from eating this bread, the bread of life, Jesus himself. Uh, Verse 40 is a good example. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. So there's two things that you repeatedly hear Jesus saying you gain from having this bread. Firstly, that you'll be raised up on the last day. Jesus says, if you come to me, I offer you resurrection from the dead. I will raise you up. It's an incredible claim for him to make. But we celebrated a fortnight ago the fact that Jesus backed up this claim, that he himself was raised from the dead. He defeated death and rose to life. And he says to people, if you come to me, then death won't be the end for you either. I will raise you up. It's a future hope. It's a hope that death isn't the end result for us, but that Jesus, in the same way that he was raised from the dead, will raise us up as well as he was raised. That the first Easter, where Jesus was raised from the dead, was just a foretaste of what is to come. Jesus, the bread of life, offers future resurrection to all of those who will come to him. Now, people often criticise Christianity, don't they, that um, we're just on about pie in the sky when you die, that it's all about this future life, God offering us a heaven, uh, something in the future. Um, and basically, often the viewpoint is that Christianity is about living a lousy, legalistic, boring life now. But that's okay, because when we die, God offers us good things then, our pie in the sky. But that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus is saying, this is not just about future life, this is about a full night, full life now, which goes into the future. And you see that in the second thing that he keeps emphasising here, that he's offering eternal life to people. Now again, we often think of eternal life as being entirely future focused, that eternal life is about going to heaven when we die, being with God after death. But in John's Gospel, eternal life is much more about a life that begins now and continues on and never ends. Verse 47 sums it up quite well. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Do you notice what he says? Not the one who believes will have eternal life, that it's entirely future focused, but the one who believes has eternal life. It begins now, you don't have to wait for it. The life with Jesus, beginning here and now, will flow on into eternity. Which is why Jesus is able to say, if you come to me, you will never hunger and you will never thirst. That he is the one who can satisfy the deep desires in each one of us, the search for meaning, the search for purpose, the search for deep, deep relationship. Again, if you are someone who is here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this is an offer for you. Jesus is holding out this bread that will satisfy the deep spiritual hunger that is within you. Those things that you've been searching for but you've been unable to find and to be satisfied with, 
no matter what else you try, you find here in Jesus the bread of life. But if you're a follower of Jesus here today, there's a challenge here for you too. Are we finding our fulfilment and our satisfaction in Jesus? Jesus says, I am the bread that nourishes you. And we might ask the question, well, how come we don't feel nourished, fulfilled and satisfied? Why is it? Is it somehow that Jesus makes bigger claims for himself than he's able to fulfil? Is it that Jesus can't actually satisfy our longings, that the reality of life, the hard grind and difficult parts of life, means that we do go hungry and Jesus is unable to fill us in the way that he promises? Is that the problem? Is the problem that there's a shortcoming in Jesus and what he's claiming to do? I suspect actually that the problem is not with Jesus but with us and the way that we uh, take and eat of what Jesus is offering us. Uh, Our kids are generally pretty good eaters but sometimes there's this beautiful meal that's been prepared. Either Anna or I have, have cooked it and it's sitting there on the table. Uh, it's tasty, it's healthy, it's nourishing. It'll help them to grow big and strong. But for some reason, one of them refuses to eat it. It's sitting there. It's right in front of them. All they have to do is, is reach out, uh, pick it up and put it in their mouth. But they don't. I mean, if you offer them a packet of chips or some chocolate, then they'd come to life straight away and uh, gobble it down, even though that's not as good for them as the plate that's lying before them. I think that's a pretty good image uh, for me uh, and perhaps for you too. Uh, Jesus is the bread of life. He is there and he is available for us. He promises to fully satisfy our desires And yet often we don't come to him and feed on him. And I think particularly in stressful times and hard times where Jesus is available for us, we don't necessarily come and eat but choose junk food instead. When we're feeling like we need something, we're feeling uh, down and we want to pick me up, we want that that burst that will suddenly make us feel better, we eat junk food like shopping, retail therapy, or we make ourselves excessively busy so that we don't have to to think about things. We think if we pedal harder, somehow that'll make it better. Or we numb ourselves, you know, mindlessly uh, watching TV or playing computer games. Um, Sometimes, sadly, we choose to consume poison rather than the bread of life. Pornography. Um, gambling, excessive drinking, in a desperate attempt to to numb the pain, to get rid of the ache, to make ourselves feel better so that we feel satisfied and contented. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Uh, I confess uh, this week I've been a bit stressed about uh, lots of things that are going on. Um, I'm stressed about the fact that our church finances aren't great at the moment. You're going to hear more about that later in the service. I'm stressed about 
the vision and the future and trying to manage different expectations and think about, you know, where is our church going? Where should we be going? What should we be doing? Uh, I'm stressed that Bowles is leaving, my right-hand man who I depend on. Um, I'm, I'm happy uh, he's got a great job, but I'm thinking, oh, what does that mean? You know, what, what needs to happen? What needs to be done? Um, and one night this week I was lying in bed and I was planning and I was stressing and I was thinking and I was trying to solve every problem um, in the world. And the irony of that was not lost as the words, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In the busyness and the stress, so often we try every other thing. We're, we're trying to solve every problem. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Believe in me. Feed on me. I am here. I am available. I am what you need, not these other things. And yet so often we avoid Jesus in the moment. We snack on junk food or we try and feed ourselves rather than be fed by Christ. So who can eat this bread? Who is Jesus offering nourishment to, contentment to, fullness of life for? Here's what he says in verses 50 and 51. Here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This is not an exclusive offer just for some people, um, a table of food reserved for a few. This is a free offer available to anyone and whoever will, t- will eat of it. Well, maybe you think, that's fine, but surely not me. I'm excluded. I'm not worthy. Jesus would not accept me because of the mess that I've made of life. Uh, maybe... Although this sounds good for you, you feel like if I sought after Jesus, the bread of life, as soon as I came near, the meal would be whipped away and I'd be told, we don't serve your type around here. Well, Jesus says in verse 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Jesus is saying, there is no risk of rejection with me. If you come to me, I will receive you. I will accept you. I will feed you. I will nourish you. The bread of life is given to you. You won't be turned away. You won't be rejected. It's an offer open to you. But there is a warning attached. It is true that it's a free and open offer to all to come and eat, but it's absolutely necessary that we do eat. Jesus says in verse 53, unless you eat, you have no life in you. Jesus is saying that he is the only nourishment that there is. Unless you eat this meal that he's offering, he says, you'll you'll starve spiritually. You will not receive eternal life. You will not be raised up at the last day. Jesus freely offers it, but it's absolutely necessary for everyone to receive him because it's the only food that there is. He is the only one who offers this spiritual nourishment. Such are the bold claims of Jesus, the I am statements, that Jesus is saying, unless you eat of me, you do not have life in you. This is the only way that you can be nourished spiritually. 
So how do we eat this bread? You might have noticed in this passage that there's some confusion going on. Um, people speak with Jesus, they get cross with Jesus, they argue with him, they argue with each other because Jesus is using imagery here describing himself as bread that needs eating and sometimes even more graphically he talks about people needing to eat his flesh and drink his blood and, and people get confused and even offended. They, they're asking, how can, how can this guy give us his flesh to eat? But the response that Jesus requires is quite clear in the passage that the way that you eat this bread that he offers is by faith, by believing in him. So again, verse 35, Jesus says, whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus wants people to come to him and believe in him, to place their trust in him. Similarly, verse 40, Jesus says, Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. Look to Jesus, look to the Son and believe in him, he says. And it explains the, the imagery, the metaphor that is going on later when you compare verse 40 with verse 54. Uh, almost identical results, eternal life and being raised up at the last day. In verse 54, Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have these things. What does that mean? Back in verse 40, he's already explained it. It's whoever looks to the Son and believes in him. If you want to feed on Jesus, if you want to eat this bread that he offers, then you need to believe in him. You need to come to him and place your trust in him. And you need to keep doing that. That's the way we're nourished, by turning to Jesus to believing in him, to expressing our trust in him and depending on him through each and every day. By the way, that helps us to un unpack the relationship between what Jesus is saying here uh, and Holy Communion. There's parts here where you're, you're probably hearing this and you think, this is, this is reminiscent of what we're doing at Holy Communion. Is Jesus uh, talking about the Lord's Supper or, or Holy Communion here? Um, is, is this, is John chapter 6 really all about Holy Communion? And the answer is no, but yes. Um, it's no in the sense that Jesus is saying, I am the bread and if you believe in me, you will be eating that bread, you will be nourished, you will receive eternal life and be raised up. And the people listening to Jesus in that interaction in that moment, they can believe in him, they can trust in him, and they receive that bread and that life that he offers them. Uh, they might never have gone and taken Holy Communion, and yet they've been nourished and they've been fed by Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus is speaking here about believing in him, not about Holy Communion. But at the same time, you could say that while John 6 isn't talking about Holy Communion, Holy Communion is talking about John 6. Holy Communion points us to exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus, the bread of life, who we come to to believe in and be nourished. Because as we eat bread and we drink wine at Holy Communion, what are we doing? We are coming to remember who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And in the act of coming, holding out our hands and receiving, we are expressing our trust, 
our belief, our dependence on Jesus in that moment. And as we do so, we feed on Christ and are nourished by him spiritually. This is a big topic and later this term, um, we're going to do two weeks on the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion um, and talk a bit more in detail about it. But it's hard to express it better than these words uh, from the prayer book, from our prayer book. This is how uh, it's put there. Uh, After um, the Thanksgiving prayer has been given and people are invited to come to the Lord's table, the prayer book uh, uses these words. Come and take this holy sacrament of the body and blood of Christ and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We're invited to come and to feed on Christ and the place that we feed on Christ is not in our mouths but in our hearts and the way that we feed on Christ is by faith with thanksgiving. It's a tangible expression of what Jesus calls us to do, to come to him who is the bread of life, to come to him who is the one who satisfies our hungers, to feed on him by believing in him, depending on him, coming to him continually and expressing our need for him and being nourished by him as we come, relieving that spiritual hunger and thirst that lies at the heart of our human lives. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who satisfies these deep hungers and yearnings within us and we pray that you would help us to continually come to you and to be nourished by you. Uh, We know that there are many other things that uh, call on us to uh, be satisfied, to seek after them in order to be satisfied and, and we know deep, deep down that they don't ultimately fulfil us and yet we keep trying to consume them. Uh, Please help us to turn away from these things and not to depend on them, but to depend on you and depend on you more and more each day. Please feed us. Please nourish us. Please satisfy these deep longings and aches and pains within us. Uh, Please show us that you are indeed all that is necessary for a fullness of life, for eternal life. And we thank you for the great future hope that this life will never end, but that you will raise us from the dead. Amen.